Those kilobytes count up fast. Huh. We're making a lot of kilobytes today. As they say, making the kilobytes. Yeah. Yeah. So same room. Yeah. Weird. Mm-hmm. I try not to look at my phone the whole time. <laughs> <laughs> Since I'm here. I, I sometimes do that when we're recording in different rooms. Mm-hmm. But we, yeah, we're not used to looking at each other, so no. I sort of don't want to do that. Yeah, let's just look at the computer. Okay. And watch this. Oh, now we're to megabytes. They're not counting up as fast. Mm. Mm. Mm-hmm. Mm. Watching the megabytes go by. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's what we, that's our whole life now. Although anymore with video online, it's more like watching the gigabytes go by. Mm-hmm. Um... I streamed some Netflix last month over um, my cell phone onto my tablet, and it was um, it was a lot of a lot of megabytes, shall we say, mm. megabytes under the bridge. It was an expensive month for data, but you know, Kimmy Schmidt came out. What can you do? Mm-hmm. I have to get caught up. Mm. Haven't watched yet. End of the semester, but now we're into summer. Things might change. Mm. Well, I think we can say things will definitely change. Um, that is the one constant. You can't step into the same Kimmy Schmidt twice. No. Heraclitus said that. If you get a little Schmidt on your shoes, though, you should probably take a second <laughs> and take care of that. Yeah, probably. You are listening to Priority, a podcast about choices, limitations, and getting stuff done. Priority is hosted by Katie Leibman and her brother, Max Leibman. That's me. Today's episode is entitled, Stay in School, Kids. For complete show notes, including links to anything we discuss on the podcast today, visit us online at priority.fm slash 60. So we had talked in our pre-show talk about possibly talking about a topic, um, which is uh, it'll sound sort of related to a recent topic, but I'm going to try to avoid making this about the baby again. But how do you get your work done, or anything done, um, when you're not firing on all cylinders? Um, when you are tired, harried, when things have gone wrong, when you're sick? Um, basically, how do you, uh, how do you keep it going when you don't feel like keeping it going? Mm-hmm. So, Katie, your thoughts? Uh, drugs. Oh, okay. Cool. Drugs are the answer. So, speed? Uh, no, not quite. Um, putting, putting some, uh, some uh, productivity solutions up your nose, maybe? Yep, yep. I mean, get, get the vein ready, shoot them right in there. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I know nothing about drug culture, so, um, yeah, I don't even have other references to make. Mm. That's just about it. Um, honestly, though, the one thing I was thinking about was how, um, so probably the main type of illness I deal with most often are things like sinus infections from extreme allergic reactions. I, for whatever reason, I have very bad allergies in the fall, so often I will be in some allergy haze. Um, so as far as practical takeaways, we try to give the listener, I was thinking about <laughs> how, honestly, uh, Claritin D changed my life. Hmm. Yeah, so that's, that's, that's my takeaway, but practical and a little creepy that I'm suggesting drugs. What is my... what does the D stand for? Um I don't know that that they're actually pulling from it, but basically the difference is they've added pseudoephedrine to Claritin. Oh, so do you have to you have to go like uh to the counter and show you your do. driver's license? You do. Okay. So I don't know why they've chosen D if it's for the D in sure. pseudoephedrine or if the D is 
decongestant. Yeah, D D for pseudoephedrine. That's right. Su- yeah, the the pseudo asylum. Yeah, yeah, um, that drives me crazy. By the way, the the having to go to the counter for pseudofed. Um, this is this this will probably sound harsh, but I honestly can't see how these societal costs of meth are worth like making me wait in line for 25 minutes show my driver's license only be able to buy so much um mm-hmm. yeah it's 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 ridiculous um yeah pseudoephedrine is an interesting one as well because um it there is an off-label use that some people make of it um that i think originally people did with ephedrine but they also um i i've seen many people online talk about doing with pseudofed is that uh, it also is kind of a low-grade ad hoc anti-ADHD medication, like it can enhance focus. Dude, um, no, that's that's why I need to take it. <laughs> not just to clear yourself up, but to, like, clear yourself up. No, and I, I, I do not, as far as I know, suffer from any attention deficit disorders, um, but that is one of the key mental changes that I experience when I'm having these horrible allergy attacks. Um, I'll take a 24-hour Claritin-D pill. Um, and I, I can only think of one thing at a time. It's mm-hmm. very strange for me. Mm-hmm. Again, not that I, I struggle with the tension normally, but mm-hmm. I definitely notice the difference. Yeah, I, I do as well. I keep a lot of Sudafed at my desk at work, mainly for allergy purposes, but it has, it does have that effect on me. Where I see it most often though, is actually kind of annoying if I happen to take it before bed. Um, and I know some people can't take, you know, Sudafed before going to bed because it, it, it gets them too keyed up. Um, and I've experienced that from time to time. But the main thing I notice is when I take Sudafed right before going to bed is I have these terrible dreams where all night long I dream about the same thing over and over again. And it's usually whatever I was thinking about or doing right before bed um so i will dream about the same scene of the last tv show that i watched before bed or i will dream about rereading the same couple pages of a book over and over again all night long so you better choose your last task wisely yeah exactly (laughs) yeah um and and like it's never it's not usually something bad like i'm not having a nightmare about this all night long but yeah it's it's usually something not especially you know i don't want to read those two pages in my sleep over and over again all night long Mm. Yeah. Yeah. So I think the, the allergy stuff is probably my, Mm -hmm. uh, biggest example. And it's usually tough because that's when a new school year is kicking off is, you know, maybe four weeks into the school year is when I will have a number of weeks in a row where I just, if I'm not taking care of myself, I really can get knocked on my butt. Mm. Um, things can get really bad at a moment when they're they should be taking off just out of curiosity before we leave the topic of of the pseudofed component of the (laughs) claritin so now being aware that this is a thing that happens have you ever taken it for that off-label use have you ever been like i really need to knuckle down i don't really feel the allergies right now but i'm gonna pop a claritin d i feel like we need to cut all this out no i have not Okay, neither have I. <laughs> never, never, okay. ever, never, not once, not once have I taken Sudafed for any purpose other than uh, my sinuses. Stay in school, kids. <laughs> yeah, well, I'm not saying if you ever turned it into meth. <laughs> oh my god! But just curious, have you? Have you <laughs> thought about it? it? Um, I am such a clumsy you're, you're person. You're Breaking Bad fan, right? Uh, I, I'm such a clumsy person. I feel like I would be very bad at a life of crime. Like Mm. I would get caught right away and I would just like be sobbing to some cop and just apologizing and it'd be really pathetic, Mm -hmm. which is why instead I've 
stayed in school my entire life because I, I feel like I would bungle anything. <laughs> so like when the when the recovered drug addict slash motivational speaker says stay in school kids, you, you really took that to heart. <laughs> yeah. Oh my God. I've been much too literal this entire time. That's how I explain my career choices. Yeah, yeah. well, there, there are worse things you could be doing with your life. Yeah, yeah. No, I'm not complaining. You could you could be snorting Sudafed. I could be uh, jacked up on on the, on the D. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. When you first said drugs, I actually thought you were going to go in a different direction, and I'm I'm glad we talked about this because this was this was more fun actually. But I thought you were going to talk about coffee because uh, we've just been talking about caffeine a little while ago. Yeah, I mean that would be fair too. So so I guess when when I was thinking about this topic, I'm thinking a lot about. Uh, I mean, self care is a topic I know I've brought up. Um, a number of times because I feel like <laughs> we have to talk about it about other people so that we remember to do it for ourselves mm-hmm, because mm-hmm. it's very hard to practice yeah. what we preach sometimes. Well, and also, I mean, I think it's fair for you to bring up self self care because I mean, like, what are you going to care for others? What are you a nurse? <laughs> well, we are in service industries, so to speak. Um, we think about other people's well being a lot, at least in my line of work. Mm-hmm. You make the numbers. Yes, yes. I live I live uh, during the day in a tall glass building um, in an office cave in which I make numbers. Yes, the, the number mines. Mm-hmm. Um, but I mean, those numbers are for other people. You have to deal with other people. Do I? Do yeah. I? Nominally. <laughs> Nominally, yes, yes, yeah. in theory. I, I do, I do. It's a kid, but um, I do have a lot of autonomy in my job, and I spend a lot of time in my palatial imitation office. Mm-hmm. Um, but, uh, yeah, I do need to deal with other people. I don't really worry about how they're taking care of themselves so much, though. I've, I've got bigger fish to fry right now. Well, but I mean, when other people run off the rails, it, I feel like it impacts everybody. Yeah, that's um, true. Yeah, so so that's where my my brain was going. So, I mean, coffee's still in that realm, too, I think, because once, once you know what you do need, you know, it's so like with the allergy stuff, I'm thinking about how when I try to ignore illness or use feeling tired or under the weather as an excuse to let stuff go out the window, then everything just gets worse. It just compounds on itself. <laughs> I just had an image, speaking of being literal, of like, you've got a window open because it's a nice, it's a warm spring day, but like a breeze comes up and your papers start blowing off your desk out the window and you're, you're kind of like <laughs> blowing your nose. You're like, I don't really feel very good. I'm just going to let that go. Oh my gosh. A clean slate, right? Let's just mix all the metaphors. That's right. Um, if if the open window you you have created blows all the papers off of your desk, you can treat it as a tabula rasa and start over the next day. Yes, tabula right. rasa. Wipe your nose of that day. Portuguese for papers on the floor. <laughs> Out the window. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Clean desk. Clean desk. Caffeine. Start over. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm big on the caffeine myself, but I don't actually drink coffee, which makes it a little bit difficult because I have to rely on, you know, low-level dosing through things like Diet Coke. Um, Straight to the vein. Yeah, our our mother did the, what is it called, 23andMe, the, the genetic sequencing consumer service where you can, like, send, send some spit or blood or hair or something else gross off, and they, they look at it and say, oh, you've got, you know caveman DNA, or you might be a mutant. Um, and one of the gene markers, apparently, that they look for is uh, insensitivity to caffeine, which she has, <laughs> and I think I have inherited, because um, it, it takes it takes a lot of caffeine to really actually buzz me. Um, 
on the few occasions I have had coffee, like I, I can tell the difference from just like having a soda or, you know, having, um, a, a medication that has caffeine or something like that, where you're just getting a little, like I can, I can feel the difference, but I don't really feel it that profoundly. Um, mm. me on caffeine is just kind of me. Um, but that is one thing, you know, when I am feeling, if I'm sick, like actually sick, actually have a cold, um, nothing that has caffeine in it is going to taste very good, but that is when I do really feel the difference, you know, if, if I need to be doing some kind of work and I am not disposed to be doing it because I'm sick, um, well, caffeine will do me some good. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So I wonder if that means I got all the sensitivity in the family when we've talked previously about introversion and extroversion. I, mm -hmm. I was talking about how I, I, recognize that I, I definitely have characteristics of a sensitive person. Mm -hmm. So, so not just, um, touchy feely, uh, cried a lot of stuff, but, <laughs> but I do cry at certain triggers. Um, and just, uh, the intensity of, of feeling and responsiveness to mm -hmm. certain things. Um, yeah, caffeine's interesting though. I, I do drink coffee every day, but there are also days where if I don't get coffee till later in the day, it doesn't terribly goof me off. Goof me up. Uh-oh. I did drink it later today, though. And there was that. <laughs> You're all hopped up on goofballs. On the go. <laughs> Straight to the main. Um, to, your, to your sensitivity point, though, that's like a, a self-care thing I feel like pointing out is um, when we discussed uh, Susan Cain's quiet um, a few months ago, that's one thing on the introverted side of the spectrum that really helped me make sense of introversion and, and, you know, my version of it and how I relate to it. And that is the fact that, um, I don't feel like I'm especially sensitive to a lot of things. Um, if anything, I feel like I'm often, as I've said on the show, incurious and insensitive to things. Um, <laughs> but I am definitely sensitive to social stuff. Um, you know, I do feel a drain on my energy with social stuff and that's probably another good another good takeaway, um, for other introverts and definitely for me and really anybody who, who, you know, feels occasionally they need some time alone. If I am not firing on all cylinders, if I am tired, sick, um, not, not really working at my full potential at that particular moment, um, other people are usually a mistake. Um, <laughs> uh, which isn't to say that I, I don't want them in my life at all. Or I, you know, but like, that is not the time for me to have a conversation. Mm -hmm. um, that is not a time for me to have a, a particularly a high stakes conversation that is fraught with a lot of emotions. That is not a time for me, um, in particular to go to like a big meeting or a party if I can avoid it, because, um, not only will I not be at my best, it will also leave me with even less of the tiny amount of energy I have going in. Mm -hmm. Um, an extrovert on the other hand might find the opposite. Like if you're not, if you're not feeling great, the thing to do might be to find a social situation. By the way, if you have a cold, find a social situation where you're not going to get everybody sick. Don't be a dick about this. Mm -hmm. Um, extroverts always making us all sick. Wear um, a mask. <laughs> yeah, wear a mask. But yeah, if you, if you are somebody who feels energized by people, go do that. If you are somebody who finds people draining, don't do that. You know, treat your, treat your social energy the same way you treat your physical energy. Mm -hmm. Um, cause I think it's all ultimately going to be the same thing. You know, if you, if you are worn out from being sick and then you get even more worn out by trying to maintain small talk, um, when that drains you, mm -hmm. I think that's a recipe for, well, for crankiness in my case. Yeah. No, I think you're right. Those splits are largely arbitrary and not very helpful. You know, thinking of the sensitivity stuff, sort of like you're saying, it has been helpful for me too to be more self-aware about 
what, where stuff is coming from and how that might impact the rest of my day or whatever, you know, when I'm making these decisions about my time, but even little stuff like with recognizing my sensitivity. Um, one thing I've noticed and I've noticed it. Um, so in a lot of my, my classes that I teach will start the day with some free writing where I might offer the students a prompt of some sort, usually connected to the work of the day or the work of the project that we're on. Um, but it's also just a really nice centering activity. Um, you know, especially when we have a short amount of time, it seems counterintuitive, but taking a few minutes to make ourselves be present, make ourselves focus on the work for the day. I know at least helps me and seems to help the students too. Um, but what's funny is through that time, I've noticed even more. One of the things I'm most sensitive to, I think, is noise. Mm. Um, so, so different types of noise distraction or especially in social situations, people who are not sensitive to noise are some of the people who stand out the most to me. Um, so for instance, during that quiet writing time, if a student's cell phone is vibrating against something in their bag, oh, it, it can just get under my skin like crazy. And I think because I'm more sensitive to that auditory stuff, um, it could translate into a really bad social mood for me. Like I will suddenly be very on edge with the whole group, no matter who it is, because I can hear this noise and I know mm -hmm. that someone in the room has chosen not to turn off their phone, mm -hmm. you know? So it, it's all, all that is to say, like, all of this is very much connected for me. So I think it is important, especially when you were fe feeling burned out, whether it's physically or mentally, or, you know, in this case, some trigger is going off in your environment to be aware of that because all of it will blend and all of it can, you know, compound and fly mm -hmm. out the window with all the papers, tabula paper. <laughs> there it goes. Tabula papyrus. Tabula papyrus. It's going to float down the Nile, fly out the window. How many things can we mix up today? Uh, seven. All of them. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so, uh, yeah. So that's, you said that's a trigger for you. So the next time that I post a little short video of a uh, cell phone vibrating to uh, Twitter, I should probably put a trigger warning on it for you. No, just no. Twitter's different though, right? Because if you're on the internet, you've, you've gone there for some type of stimulation or information. Oh, side note. So someone... Speaking of sensitivity, someone in my newsfeed <laughs> shared this GIF, and I didn't know what it was, because it just looked like a funny picture, um, like a cartoon of an old Victorian silhouette portrait of, like, a woman, you know, standing sideways, whatever. Um, and, like, someone had commented, ha-ha, so I, did, I wanted to know what it was. You know, I was curious. I clicked it. It was one of those stupid things where it looks like something totally normal, but then all of a sudden, like, a scary face jumps out and scares you. Mm. I was not amused. Yeah. And it also was going really slowly, so the first, like, three seconds of it got frozen, so I really didn't think anything was going to happen. I thought something was just wrong, and then it moved, and then a scary face jumps out and turns towards you, and yeah. Did you jump? I did, and I probably made some stupid noise. Mm. Yeah, I almost jumped and made a stupid noise when you pronounced it gif. What what is people say that people do say that that's it's controversial I'm I'm on the GIF no, side. No, it's GIF mm -hmm. really. Yeah, like giraffe. No, no, I'm aware of that. G can make that noise. Um, <laughs> not only can, but when followed by an I, often does. I consciously said GIF, not because I care, but because I figured that's the side you were on. No, no, I'm not. Um, the the argument, the main argument for GIF, um, 
which, by the way, the uh, the the originator of the format pronounces it GIF, just for whatever that's worth. Mm. But the uh, the main argument for it is a pedantic, uh, you know, well, it's not giraffics interchange format; it's graphics with a guh. Uh, but I don't what? think that's how acronyms work. Say that again. I don't understand. Oh, the the word the word the G in in GIF or GIF is yeah. for graphics, which has oh. a hard G at the beginning. So people are like, oh, you should press a hard G, which doesn't make a lot of sense to me because no. I mean, laser, you do whatever. laser beams, um, sharks with friggin' laser beams on their head. Laser <laughs> is is actually originally an acronym, but we don't say laser. Right. I don't actually remember what the A stands for. I'm pretty sure it has a short A sound, not a long no, A sound. No, I don't though. buy that. Um, absolute side note, because mm-hmm. um, we're doing a great job of looping back, so I figure why not. <laughs> um, so, a g- complete bit of trivium. Um, so, in most states, in the United States of America, their transportation departments are modeled after the federal government. So we say DOT, right? So mm-hmm. KDOT, as in the Kansas Department mm-hmm. of Transportation. MoDOT, Missouri Department of Transportation. Right, right. So we follow this format. Um, Nebraska, for whatever reason, um, when such departments were being formed, did not follow that that trend. Probably, um, probably because of the unicameral, let's be honest. Yeah, just like being different. Um, so they chose... And it's a little limited, but whatever. At the time, it was probably more accurate. Um, it is the Nebraska Department of Roads. Mm-hmm. For short, it's Endor. <laughs> which I find is delightful. <laughs> and silly, but delightful. Yes, yes. Mm. Yeah, yeah. Coffee's important. Self-awareness is important. Avoiding people is important. Yeah. None of the people. Uh, kind of the, the the big pattern for like where this topic came from is of course what is going on right now which is you know we have a new baby in the house so mm-hmm. i'm quite tired um and a lot of days i am not firing at all cylinders keep using that phrase i actually don't like that phrase very much mm-hmm. why uh i don't know it's an overused car metaphor are people pronouncing it wrong yeah i think so um i believe it's kylanders cylinders um emphasis is wrong too kylanders there can be only one um it's a Highlander joke. One no, I know. I know. I know. Oh, stop explaining. <laughs> You're doing so well. <laughs> uh, yeah, okay. the, I mean, it came, it came up, I think, more more generally just because it's kind of been on my mind lately. Like, how do I function when I don't have sure. a lot of a lot of sleep um, or other resources? Um, I don't know. And one, one thing that's kind of a more general, like, priority year one kind of topic um, that I find useful in times like this, that... The last couple of weeks at work have been really important for me. Um, kind of a twofer, um, an anti-David Allen thing and a pro-David Allen thing. Mm. Um, I've mentioned one of these before uh, when we talked about the baby, but one thing I've been finding very helpful at work is to identify like the one or two, um, you know, put it in the language of Franklin Covey's The Five Choices that we talked about a few weeks ago, um, to, to identify the one or two must-dos for the day and do those first. Um, so prioritizing um my tasks for the day and uh figuring out like what what is like the you know the most important not to miss because it will have bad consequences if i miss it or the most important to get done because it's going to be really helpful if i do do it um figure out what that one or two thing is and and do those first um you know which again is not not very david allen-ish because he would encourage us not to make prioritize daily to-do lists um so that's 
been important. The other one, too, which I've always found very helpful, and I've mentioned on the show before, and this is a David Allenism, and that is, um, uh, to, to borrow his phrase, uh, when in doubt, clean a drawer. Mm-hmm. Um, to have a lot of, uh, you know, a big backlog of little, piddly, easy-to-finish um, physical tasks to do in your environment, um, just sort of little cleanup and maintenance things, because when you're toast, it's a good idea to do those. Um, for several reasons. Number one, when you're, when you're, you know, when you are shot because you just came out of a meeting and you're feeling beat up and you are already tired and anxious and now you're just an emotional wreck, that's not a good time to have a tough conversation with a, with an employee or a colleague or your boss or, or to make an important call to your biggest client. You know, that's, that's the time to do something else. Um, so it would be very strategic to still do something productive, but not to do the thing you're going to screw up because you're toast. Same thing if you're doing something, you know, you're making a very detailed repair or, or writing a difficult bit of code or trying to solve a rhetorical problem in a paper that is, is very vexing to you. Um, you know, when you are toast, that is not the time to do that. But you still want to be doing something productive, so you might as well have those. Um, it's also good though, cause I, I, and he says this and I feel this way as well. Like doing those things also often helps me get more energy. Um, you know, if I clear off the clutter in the corners of my desk and, um, go shred my bin full of stuff to be shredded and, um, take care of a few little, little things on the way that, you know, aren't, aren't ever going to be high priority things, certainly aren't high priority in that moment, but then they're done and they're cleared out and they're out of my way and I feel a little bit more accomplished, then I do feel a little bit better and a little bit more focused and ready to take on something a little bit bigger. And when I'm really tired and really sick, it's not going to be enough. You know, to water the plants and fill the stapler will not get me ready to write 10,000 words um, of of procedure documentation um, that will change the way the whole business runs. Um, But it might get me from the point where I don't want to talk to anybody to the point where I could pick up the phone and call the the tech department because I need to get something fixed on one of our PCs. You know, whereas before I was just procrastinating that because I didn't want to, didn't want to deal with their, you know, I just don't want to hear it. So, um, I procrastinated, but you know, I go do those, those piddly little things. I feel good. I come back, I make the call. We're all good. And then maybe I can do something even bigger. Yeah. Yeah. I think when we are in those moments where we are burnout. Also, side note, I think it's funny. I said burnout, and then you keep talking about being toast. <laughs> um, it's true. Our, our metaphors are all about uh, fire. Burniness. Mm-hmm. Um, well, well, you know, meth heads love fire. Uh, I was going to go more with, like, there's fire, but then, like, the phoenix, we rise. Mm. Not like we blow up the house. Well, you know what Schmidt says, without ashes to rise from, the phoenix would just be a bird getting up. Yeah, yeah, that's no good. We gotta, we gotta dream bigger than that. Yeah, I think when we are in those states, though, whether it's uh, pre-phoenix, uh, post-toast, um, it's hard to make decisions about how, how to structure our work. Because I'm thinking even of, uh, in the end of the semester crunch, <laughs> toast crunch, um cinnamon toast crunch uh, possibly whatever tickles your toast unfortunately i've already had breakfast today but um does sound good though yeah cinnamon you know even students in the midst of their giant end of semester projects um i just watch them sort of self-destruct because they feel like they have to keep working and they have to keep pushing 
Um, to the point that they do totally fry their brains, and they are, are very zombie-like. And... Do they fry their brains by pushing too hard, or do they fry their brains with drugs? Um, I hope not drugs. This is the drugs Stay in episode. school, kids. <laughs> oh my god, just stay in, <laughs> stay in school. The Katie Leibman drug-free life approach. Um, stay in school, don't smoke podcasts. Treat... <laughs> uh, coffee, straight to the brains. Uh, Claritin D when you need it. Treat the allergy. Uh, Treat the allergy, school. not the ADHD. Oh my god, no, you're cutting all this out. Um, yes, yes. So they just want to push and push and push and stay in these projects. Um, and to be fair, I think I was I was a bit like that in the past, too. You sort of get tunnel vision and think um, the only way to serve yourself well is to finish the project, which is true, but taken to the extreme... You know, people's brains are not focusing, and it gets hard to even finish the sentence ahead of you. So you you spend a disproportionate amount of time on the wrong things because your brain is just so taxed. So, you know, like you were talking about, um, one thing I was really encouraging my students to think about was, you know, what are those activities? What are your drawers to clean? What are your windows to open? Let your papers fly around. Um, (laughs) You know, what are the activities that are great? 10 minute breaks for you, you know, is that, um, having a walk across campus? Is that, um, stopping and painting your nails for a couple minutes? Um, you know, is it five minutes of a game? Is it five minutes of a conversation? Um, you know, what works to sort of reset you? Um, and then for me in the big picture too, the other thing, um, that I know is important is, Thinking about the things that not just are good breaks, but what are the things that actually recharge me and make me feel like me? So whether that's exercise or or spending the evenings with my partner and making sure, like I mentioned before, that stuff doesn't go out the window, uh, doesn't go tabula rasa, as we say in the biz. Just kidding. No biz. Um, You know, when things are toast, when we're toast, because then it just gets worse and worse and worse. You know, mm-hmm. we become even more fried and even more disconnected. Yeah. Yeah, very good. The only thing I would add to that is uh, don't be afraid to pop a couple Sudafed. Oh, my God. You're just digging a drug hole. Ew. Uh, um, I guess the other thing, too, and this is maybe just sort of mean now that you're in, in you've arrived in baby town population, you and Courtney and Ellen. Um but I'm so big on my sleep. I'm just in a stage of life right now where I feel like I am a, a baby or a cat or some other being. That, or a baby that, cat. That just sounds cute. Um, I'm also wildly allergic, so cats are no good. So you, you probably need the Sudafed then, whether or not you're using it ah, for and concentration. That's why, I, that's why I want to sleep. I'm just, otherwise I'd be a wreck. Um, yeah, I sleep so much. But two things I've discovered in the past year um, to help me justify it when I'm, you know, snoozing in the morning or, or thinking there must be something wrong that I'm spending so much of my day asleep. I mean, so much of my, my time on earth as a human asleep is that I've read that women require more sleep than men to function at, at similar levels. And I've also read that um, the more extroverted you are, um, you run less well on less sleep. Um, mm-hmm. so, so when I sleep more than my partner, <laughs> that helps me rationalize. Like, <laughs> oh, there's nothing wrong with you. Oh, you're not being lazy. Oh, you're, you're not just bored. Mm-hmm. It's because you're a woman and you're more extroverted than Sure. Him. Well, we, we have the same, I mean, you know, um, 
the singular of uh I think I think at one point in the past I I quoted this thing this is an aphorism and it is quoted this way but it's actually not the way it was originally said which is uh the singular of data is not anecdote. Uh in fact the original quote um was the singular of data is anecdote and in this case you have shared an anecdote I will add to that now it is data. Um we have the same thing here. Um where uh where Courtney is more extroverted than I am and also more of a woman than I am, and she is the one who sleeps more. Yeah. Um, I would always like to sleep more than I do, including before the baby came, but mm. I do function better on less sleep, um, mm. and and generally get uh, less of it mm. um, for a variety of reasons. Also, I'm I'm just you know, for most of the last couple of years, I've been working full time, and she's been working part time. Although that's about to change, so we will we'll put some of this to the test and then have even mm -hmm. more data. You're all hyped up on the diet coke drug. Mm-hmm. I am. Diet Coke and uh, Sudafed and goofballs. Yeah, drugs are my anti-drug. Mm. Are you high on life? Uh, shit-faced, in fact. You are just so f***ed up on life right now? Oh my god, I love all the bleeps. <laughs> I am high on bleeps. They keep me going. That's nice. how That's nice. how I get through the, the toast stage. Mm, stay in school, kids. And see. You have been listening to Priority. Once again, for complete show notes, or if you'd like to send us feedback via email or subscribe to the show, visit us on the web at priority.fm. If you enjoyed the program today, please go to iTunes and leave us a positive rating and review, as that will help new listeners find the show. Also, if you're interested in getting updates or communicating with us via tweets, follow us on Twitter, where we are at PriorityFM. That's at P-R-I-O-R-I. TYFM. Thanks again for listening. Boom, 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 boom. Uh, we did get one, we got one, <laughs> one topic suggestion yeah. comment. Which Was I it just, Travis? No, it was not Travis. Um, <laughs> friend of the show, Ryan Burns, said, <laughs> at the end of one previous episode, we touched on aliens, conspiracy theories, and general sci-fi. More, yes. please. Oh, my God. So, I had, I had a maybe five or ten minute conversation about simulations um, with a couple of sci-fi nerds on, on my mm. faculty. Um, um, before, before I lose this, I'll put this in show notes as well. Uh, we talked about that a few weeks ago. There was like a big, well-publicized scientific debate um, headed up by a um, man who doesn't understand how women's bodies work and a uh, famous astronomer. Neil deGrasse Tyson, yeah, yeah. yes, um, about whether or not we are living in a simulation. And I thought that was very timely of us to have talked about that first. Mm -hmm. Suck it, scientific community. Anyhow, right. please continue. <laughs> yeah, because we are, this podcast is, is more ahead than science. <laughs> because science. Are you kidding me? We are science. Oh my gosh. Um, I mean, that's true. My baby eats science for breakfast. Yeah. Yeah. He does, actually. He, he's on formula. And I use science to rationalize my life choices, so... We're doing great. Um, yeah, sci-fi. Yeah, I'm, I'm pretty sure, and of course we can link in notes. Yeah, Neil deGrasse Tyson basically said that's that's the as good of an explanation for what we know and don't know about physics as any is that. Mm -hmm. It's a simulation. Yeah. It's all a simulation. I mean, I'm still down with this. I mean, there there is coffee, there is Claritin D, there is beer, 
um, there's a couch to sit on in my simulation. So, I mean, if this is it, like, I'm, I'm down. Mm-hmm. Again, no, so this is another important thing that came up in my, my conversation the other day. This doesn't, I don't, I don't think, I don't think this makes me um, the guy at the end of the Matrix who chooses to check out and is like, well, this steak isn't real, but it's still delicious. I'm not that guy. Mm-hmm. I would like, I would like to improve the simulation. Um, I would like it to be bearable for as many of the beans in it as possible. I still think that's a worthy goal. Um, I don't know. I don't know. But this is it. I'm cool. Mm. I'm down. Yeah. It's yeah. interesting here. Yeah, it's, um, this might be more philosophical than what Ryan meant, but, um, thinking about that, like, uh, one, one big question that I think, I think it needs to be contemplated for, especially for people who are, have a knee jerk, like anti, we couldn't be living in computer simulation because then none of this would mean anything responses that, uh, I don't, I don't think it necessarily matters whether or not it's real in the, in the sense of like, is it being run on a computer or is it a physical universe? Um, in order for it to have meaning or for there to be a point to any of it, mm-hmm. you know? Um, <laughs> and we already know this. We already know this from psychology. Nothing has to be real for it to have consequences. Oh, absolutely. And, yeah. and nothing, nothing, yeah, nothing has to, nothing has to be real for there to be a point to it. There's no point to Star Wars. If, if being real is the criterion, because it's not real, but there's a point to it. Isn't it has it? value to us, has a lot of value to me, speaking of sci-fi. But it, it reminds me of kind of a, there's a, there's a parallel sort of series of arguments, um, uh, philosophical arguments that I think, I think actually tie into this, because if it is a simulation, there is going to be some question of, well, then, you know, are we all just algorithms being played out? You know, is there such a thing as free will or are we just in a causally closed universe and there's no chance to change anything? Even when we make a choice, we're making the choice because of what's already happened to us and physical things in our brain or the mathematical simulation of such on a computer. Mm. Um, and I, again, I think it's, I think it's not a very useful, um, you're thinking about it wrong if you are thinking that, well, if there's, if free will isn't real, then we, we can't act like we have any agency or responsibility for anything. Cause if we start assuming that, then everything does break down. Mm. You know, you are better off to assume you have free will, even if you do not, because if you assume you don't, you're going to be more fatalistic. You're not going to be very proactive in your life. Mm-hmm. Um, even, even if you assume, therefore you don't actually have any choice about whether or not you believe you have free will, um, you know, if, if, if something can tip you over deterministically into the believing in free will, or at least acting like it's side, you're going to be better off. I think the same thing's true with the simulation. Like, even if you're pretty sure we are in a simulation, you should still act like you aren't. Right. And act like it has yeah. consequences, because you can't do anything about it either way. And right. this is the existence you have. Right. That, and that's why I think I'm not the, the steak-eating man. You know? Mm-hmm. I'm not gonna... You're not gonna betray the revolutionaries on the outside? I mean, in if order I, to get back into the matrix. I mean, I would if for some reason, like, that would improve things. That's mm-hmm. what I'm saying. Yeah, I'm not going to sit and say, like, well, this is it, and it is static, and it, it shall remain. Um, and I am not caught up in it. I am not, oh, what's the word? Um, compli- oh, complicit. Yeah, yeah. Like, oh, no, I, I have no effect on this. Mm. Like, um, no. Um, as they sang in High School Musical, we're all in this together. Never saw it. Liar. It's probably on at the house sometime when you were over. Still never saw it. Mm. <laughs> Just some blinders. Mm-hmm. Put your hands up. Um, 
yeah, what else was I just thinking about? You know, some of this, I don't know if this will cross over into the sci-fi realm. We were talking the other day about memory and are we really using our brains if we externalize stuff that we would otherwise expect our brains to do, if not for technology, Mm -hmm. Um, like remember things for us. Um, I don't know. I, I think... I'm just all about breaking down barriers today. I think there's an an artificial division between things that we consider sci-fi and things that we consider reality, the real world. I don't know. I think we're living it. We're living sci-fi. The robots are here. As we've said. Yeah. It's an example of of, uh, someone with possibly that worldview that I cited to you earlier today, which I'll repeat for the listener, since they weren't following us around all day, I uh-huh. hope. Sci-fi! <laughs> except, for, except for our listener at the NSA. Hey, Bruce. Um, no, uh, there is a, um, a sci-fi author, uh, very well, well-renowned, um, coined the, the cyberpunk genre, named William Gibson, who wrote um, dystopian future computer-oriented science fiction for many years. Um, starting in the early 80s, I believe, with Neuromancer, and um, in the aughts started writing contemporary fiction um, set nominally, notionally in our world. Um, and uh, he published a, a trilogy of books um, that were about about all kinds of things, about about technology, but also about advertising and, and media and art. Um, and uh, these three books were set in our world basically because what we were living in, you know, was weird enough, was futuristic enough. Like we had reached the point where we were, we were in our own version of the dystopian sci-fi future that he imagined. Um, and it may be more or less high tech and it may be more or less weird and it may be more or less dark, but it was essentially good enough. And uh, actually in my estimation, I've, I've read most of his books. I don't think I've, I've read all the sci-fi ones, but that trilogy of like real world set in our world books, um, are are my absolute favorites and when i really try hard to put myself into like my 1988 1990 brain um, which of course i was pretty young at the time you know 10 12 but that's when i first became aware of william gibson's work um uh, when i try to think back to like you know what if i had been a little bit older and and reading these books that he wrote in the aughts then would it have read as sci-fi the same way that that you know neuromancer would have and i kind of think it would have Mm. um at least at least it would have been it would have been interestingly you know in some ways closer to our own time than in our own world then but also i think different enough that it would have read as science fiction Mm. you know um the first of those books uh in particular um which is called Pattern Recognition. Um, he had started writing it before 9-11 and finished it after, and it had a pretty profound effect on the book. And the the, the narrative is actually set, like, in, in I think, 2002. Um, so it's, like, the year after. And, it, I mean, even that, you know, 15 years before would, would be, like, a, a horrible, unthinkable scenario. Right. Um, you know. Uh, and a lot of a lot of what goes on in the, especially the latter two books, is about sort of the modern surveillance state we we all kind of live in, uh, you know, and it's it. I don't know. It's um, we are in the dystopian sci-fi future, mm. as several people have observed. This might be able to loop back something I was thinking about earlier. You know, on the nominal topic of of getting through your your toast stages. Um, one thing I was thinking about was that I've gotten to a point. <laughs> not to say I'm invincible, 
But I've gotten to a point where it is sort of comforting or at least helps with my perseverance to think about all of the shit that has happened that has gone perfectly fine. Like stuff Mm -hmm. that felt really wretched at the time it was happening to me or with me or about me. Um, And I, I got done what I needed to get done and I got through it and here are X, Y, and Z ways that it was fine or I have learned something or I showed something to myself, you know? Um, And that is, that is sort of, that is helpful. um, Continuing on. So I guess bringing it to this conversation, something I'm thinking about is that um, shit's going to happen and it's only unimaginable until it happens. And Mm. then it's reality and we deal and that's literally what life on earth is. Mm -hmm. I don't know. I don't know that I have a conclusion. I'm just trying to. No, I I think it's as good a place to end as any. And it does Mm -hmm. kind of tie. I mean, that's. You know, that's the thing about human beings and psychology and, and perseverance. I mean, we, we get used to just about anything. Yeah. Um, uh, we get used to just about anything, and we can bounce back from just about anything. Um, I mean, I don't think any of them were unchanged and untouched by it for the rest of their lives, but Holocaust survivors went back to life afterwards, you know? Mm-hmm. The people who were liberated from the camps um, had houses and jobs and families and descendants and went to parties, Um you know, some of them even even somehow managed to hold on to their religious convictions and continued to to go to synagogue or church, depending on why they were in the camp. Um, mm-hmm. You know, people people can assimilate all kinds of stuff mm. um, or be assimilated. Yeah. All right, now we're back to the matrix. Mm. Drink your coffee, humans.